From WDBM, East Lansing. You are listening to The The Undercurrent. Our weekly news and storytelling program. Made by and for the students of Michigan State University. You are listening to The The Undercurrent. And welcome to The Undercurrent. This is Season 12, Episode 9, and I am your host, Sophie Sagan. I'm so glad you decided to join us today because for this episode, we're going to check out some musical artists, old and new. So, you know, it's funny. I've worked at a college radio station for the past four years. That's all of my college career. And I love it here. But over the years, I've also learned that I've got to be the least musically knowledgeable person that I know. Every week. I swear, I overhear my coworkers talking about bands that I've never heard of. And in those situations, I usually just smile and nod and vow to Google it later. The stories we have today are about such bands that I have had to Google later. And so, without further ado, the first story we have today is brought to you by reporter Taylor Halterman. She talked to the up-and-coming L.A.-based band, Sure Sure. On October 9th, I attended the Half Alive concert at St. Andrew's Hall in Detroit. Sure Sure was the opening act, but I wasn't sure sure what to expect. Fortunately, I was hooked from the first guitar riff. After the concert, I jammed to their music for a couple of weeks and was able to speak to two of the members, Kevin Farzad and Charlie Glick, on the phone when they returned to their home in L.A. after the tour. I'm Taylor Holterman in the studio for WDBM Impact, and I'm with Sure Sure. First, would you guys like to introduce yourselves and your roles in the band? Sure. I'm Kevin, and I play drums. I'm Charlie, and I play guitar and sing. So to start off, I'd like to kind of go back to the start of the band. I believe you guys began producing music back in 2014. Is that right? That's correct. So how did Sure Sure start out? This is Charlie here. Uh, So I had met Chris in college, and we'd been at that point we'd been playing for four or five years already. We moved, we started Sure Sure because we broke up our college band and then wanted to start a band with this guy we had heard of named (laughs) Kevin Farzad on the drums. So we ended up, we were kind of like, we were living in San Francisco and Kevin was in LA. Yeah, I was was visiting them a lot. We had this like long distance relationship. It was pretty fun, honestly. Yeah, and Kevin would come up and we'd record and somehow we had access to Sean Parker's studio, the Napster guy. Yeah. We had like free access to this dope studio and we like ate all this like... So many lunches on his behalf. Yeah, so many lunches and plenty of... I had a lot of San Pellegrino like lemon... So good. Those are so good. And and a lot of beer too when it it hit five o'clock. It was great. (laughs) Thank you, Sean Parker. But anyway, so... But then we... We ended up wanting to leave San Francisco, and we met around that time. We also met Mike, who is our producer, and uh, he plays bass too. And then we like all just we were like, let's leave San Francisco, and we moved into Mike's house where he had a home studio in LA. And then that's when we started making music. The four of us. We were like, oh, the four of us together, we could do it ourselves. Like we could record in our house and put music online. And we didn't. It was like a became a self-contained machine known as Sure Sure. So what was the moment for you guys when you thought, like, wow, we could really do this? It, that moment happens more than once. You, it requires a bunch of little moments of, oh, wow, we can do this. 
for me, this is Kevin. There was that moment where we recorded the first time together, and it was of a good enough quality that I was like, oh, wow, we can do this. And then again, when we, like, put some music out in, like, what is it, 2015 or something mm-hmm. on Spotify, and it, it got on a front-page playlist called Fresh Finds, and, and it gave us an audience, and I was like, oh, wow, we can do this. And then again, we were, like, offered a tour by Hippocampus to open for them. I was like, oh, wow, we can do this. So, honestly, those things need to happen, like, a handful of times, in my opinion. Consistent, oh, well, we can do this to keep you going. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Shersher is a very unique name to me. How did you guys decide on that name? Uh, (laughs) One day we'll make up a really good story for this question because we have a very boring answer. Bruce Springsteen gave it to us. <laughs> wow. I really, I really got Kevin. Really that. <laughs> it was actually Prince. Oh, yeah. Was yeah Prince. Prince. Yeah, he heard our music. He's like, sure, sure. R.I.P. Prince. No disrespect to Prince. Yeah, I love Prince. Greatest. Big, big influence. The greatest. I mean, honestly, yeah, big influence. Uh, we used to be, the actual story is we used to be, have it. Actually, when we first started, we had, we were called, or not, we weren't called Sure, Sure. We were called Junior. And then that band Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. I think they're from Michigan, aren't they? Yeah, out there. Yeah, so. they changed their name to Junior Jr. And we we're like, we can't live under that. Yeah, we don't want to live under that. So then we changed their name to Sure Sure after like six months of deliberating. Six months of deliberation, we couldn't think of any name, and we we're like, well, that that one, and we were pointing to Sure Sure. Like we're like that. Everyone likes that one at least enough. I think it's pretty catchy. I like it. We all love it now. Now it's like, oh, great decision. Yeah. Good job. Along with the unique name, you have a very unique sound, and you produce your own music, right? Yep. So can you walk me through a little bit of that process and how you guys developed your sound? Mm, A lot of tinkering. A lot of tinkering, a lot of of twiddling. Yeah. A lot of... um, Knob turning. Knob turning, a lot of strumming. (laughs) A lot of of listening. A lot of listening. (laughs) A lot, lot of, of, a lot of putting a microphone there and then saying nope. A lot of uh, putting, a lot, a lot of putting a microphone <laughs> in a different place and then being like, all right. Nice. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. It depends on the song, though. Like sometimes it's all. I guess in the beginning, I don't know. It's it's always a mix of like stuff we like started making in a computer. Yeah. And then also stuff we came up together live. Like and it's still like that. Like even just this morning, I was just in my room. And I like took this like techno like a house beat and then slowed it down like hella and then I put like this Moog bass on it yeah. and then I and then Kevin came into the room and I was like hey check this out <laughs> and so like that might be a song yeah it I'm probably like, will be I want to work on it so it just depends it's always it's always different I look it's, forward to hearing yeah. that song yeah. yeah it's really weird it's it's uh-huh. so it's weird but yeah we're gonna we're gonna around with it it's mean it's mean yeah i called the project mean (laughs) it sounds really mean (laughs) you produce your music in your house right oh yeah 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 the whole house is converted to a studio basically i mean we have like mike's room is mike's bedroom is the main studio like where the there's a big mixing desk with all this outboard gear Mm -hmm. and a computer and then but then we all also have like mini like mini studios in the rest of our room so it's just a big factory that's really cool. Yeah. How would you describe your music for someone who has never heard? Stadium jazz. There you go. How about like happy, 
Uh, I don't know. This doesn't even really make sense anymore. It used to be like, you know, when we were first starting out, we were more like Happy yeah, Radiohead. But lately, we're more like Soul-influenced. Kind of be- like Beatles-y and the economy of our song structures, I think. We try to be, at least. It's yeah. hard. But, um, it's hard. They had a good economy. They had a good economy, yeah. If someone could only listen to one of your songs to get the grasp of the band, <laughs> what song would you recommend them listen to? Oh, man. Impossible question. Good question. One school of thought would say, listen to Warm Animal. Yeah. Another school of thought would say, why don't you go on back and listen back. to Saudad? Oh, wow. You say go, go, go on back, listen to New Biome. Yeah, new, honestly, yeah, maybe New Biome is the prototype. Even Okinawa. I mean, Okinawa could be the pro- prototype. Well, a little bit of an easier question. Your mm-hmm. album, What's It Like, dropped this year. Can you talk to me a little bit about the album and, like, the creative process? Yeah, I mean, that, so that record, we recorded it. Like, so last year was our fir- the first year we ever toured. And I think we went on three tours, and we also had to move in the summer. So it actually wasn't that much time to record. So that that record is, like, basically all the songs we made in between touring. So it's an interesting record because it's kind of, like, Definitely influenced by playing in front of crowds more, but yeah. and it's also more soul influenced than I think our our previous album was. Yeah, I don't know. It was honestly kind of a difficult yeah. creative process because we never had like a big swath of time <laughs> to like dive into making. That's why it's it's that's why it's short. It's technically like an EP. Yeah, because it. But we're now we're finally working on like a full on album, which will be really exciting. Because um, we have a lot of time now. And do you have a favorite song on the album? Ooh, actually, what is my favorite song now? It's always changing. It was, might, might not. But I think it might be Sedona now. Maybe uh, Out of My Element. That one just gets me. Makes me feel nostalgic. So moving a little bit forward, uh, you just got done touring with Half Alive. And I heard you'll yep. be headlining your yep. own show in 2020. Oh, yeah. So what was the touring experience like for you so far, and what are you expecting for your own tour? So we're going we're gonna to be headlining. We're doing one more opening tour uh, in the spring of next year, and then we're going to headline next fall. Uh, honestly, we're really stuck to headline because it's been, it's been – I mean, we headlined last, but uh, by the next time we headline, it'll, no, it'll have been two years since we had headlined. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're really stoked. And we're going to be touring on, like, a brand-new album that we'll probably be putting out next summer. So it's going to be a wild tour. And yeah, that's fun. Opening is is great. Um, yeah, you gotta you gotta try it once in your life, you know. <laughs> Go ahead, get out there, open for a band. Because <laughs> yeah. you get like, especially for us, we're not like a signed band. We're we've been yeah pretty skeptical of the label world, and yeah. uh, we've found that honestly, <laughs> like a great strategy for us has been get as many good opening tours as possible. Yeah, so that we can. Play in front of a bunch of people who you otherwise wouldn't have access to because, like, we're not being, like, marketed, you know, with, like, millions of dollars behind us. But we can, like, we've been lucky enough to open for bands like Hippocampus or Young and Giant who have these fan bases that we can play in front of. Yeah, so then we steal all these fans. <laughs> and then by the time we're headlining at the end of next year, we're just going to be a headliner forever. Yeah. <laughs> We just had to put in a couple of years of opening. That's very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what? That's very exciting. What can the audience expect from one of your shows? 
I don't know, man. They can expect to be a part of the band by the end of the night. They can expect a, a, a party. They can expect also to be a little bit sad sometimes. Yeah. Because we have some sad songs. Look, we're going to together feel the whole range of human emotion over the course of an hour, 15 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it'll be like. Yeah, it seems like you, from going to your opening show with Half Alive, that you really involve the audience in your show and you tell stories and get the crowd dancing mm. with you and it really feels like you you care about the audience and like we're a part of what you guys are doing which i thought was really awesome and it's interesting yeah, how you do it all live like there do you guys you don't use a backing track correct no i this is kevin i have like a drum sampler next to me like a, a drum pad and i can trigger little things like there's four of us and sometimes we don't have enough hands to play everything even with stanley the hammer so sometimes i can like press a button and you'll hear like a pad or something like some like a piano piano whatever it is but, but it's mostly live yeah yeah it's mostly 90, live. 90 95 percent live and like because it's on that pad like you know there's even the chance that i up and like miss that there's still a lot of stakes um so yeah it is you're hearing a live show what led you guys to make that choice? To be a live band? Yeah, because I know a lot of bands now like to use, like they'll specifically use artists use backing tracks and things like that. So yeah. I feel like we had no other choice. I mean, we didn't really have a choice. <laughs> I mean, we could have... Honestly, for me, I, and I think speaking for all of us, I, yeah. we never really wanted to play the track because it's... Bo- uh, frankly, I think it's boring when a band yeah, relies yeah. too much on them. Because I go to a show to like see people play music. Yeah. It's more exciting for us to play. Yeah. We like playing our instruments. It's like the whole <laughs> yeah, thing. The whole point. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fun for us. And also, yeah, Charlie's right. Like you go to a show, it's kind of fun when you're watching the show and you're like, that guy could f- up. Like there's there's just more energy in the room if it's like, damn, he's playing that live, you know. And and not to say you can't like augment that with some backing tracks, but. You want the core of it to be to feel live and to feel like there's mm-hmm. your it's happening right there. So, what's your favorite part of performing? My favorite part is walking out. <laughs> good, and like really good answer. All the energy is potential. Walking out, I got to tell you, that's really fun. That's a fun moment. Yeah, it is all potential energy, and you don't know where it's gonna go. It can go anywhere. That's really good. I saw online that you encourage your fans to call you and there's a number to call. Is that legit? Could I call yeah. that number and like potentially have one of you pick up the phone? 657-444-7579. You could give us a call or text us. Is that just like your landline, your home number? Yeah. Or? Yeah. It's yeah, our home landline. There's, uh, yep, it's right inside the door here. That's awesome. Do you get a lot of people who call you? Yeah. yeah. Actually, I think the ringer is off right now because I was watching TV the other night and it, and I turned it off, but then I forgot to turn it back up. So I'm going to do that after this call. That's really cool. That's such an interesting thing for a band to do. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and... we're, 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 we're some interesting guys. <laughs> here, here, here. So do you guys all live in the house together that you record in? Actually, as of, yeah. like, two, yeah. as of two weeks ago, we're all living together for the first time. First time ever. Before that, it had always been three, like some combination of three of us. Yeah. 
Uh, but now we are all in one four-bedroom house Holy in shit. L.A. It's okay. great. Yeah, it is uh. What's that like? Does that breed a lot of collaboration? You push out music more yeah. with all of you together? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, it's just a nice to like cook sometimes together and make coffee and stuff. Yep. I know you said you're working on some new music. What does the future look like for the band? Well, yeah, we're doing the we're opening for Coin in the spring, and then we're headlining, and then we're gonna release an album, uh, probably late summer, and then we're gonna tour on the albums, and we'll be releasing singles probably starting probably one in January or February, <laughs> and then a couple more before the album, and then and, and then, then uh, who knows, man? Then we'll be on Mars probably at that point, almost certainly. Yeah, sky's the limit. Mars is not the limit. And then one final look back before I uh, wrap up the interview. Do you guys have, from all the way back to when you guys started, a favorite moment or a memory that you cherish from being a band? I have a weird one that I think about sometimes. When we recorded Saudad, I remember we didn't really know what we were doing. We were just excited to record it. And we didn't do it, like, quote-unquote properly. I just remember, like, you came into the garage and then we just, like, I think set up a microphone, maybe two, probably two, over the drum set. And then we just recorded drums oh, yeah. like that. And it was really fun. I thought that was, like, the most fun thing ever. That was really fun. I don't know why I, that felt magical. My favorite moment is... Man, what is my favorite moment? <laughs> There's so many moments. One of my favorite moments is whenever we leave on tour... The first like time we're all in the van and like leaving the house, I yeah. love I love that feeling. Just like leaving LA and then not not gonna be back for like a month and a half. <laughs> starting a, a voyage, yeah. I like I like starting voyages. I like voyaging in general. <laughs> I like finishing voyages, and I also like not voyaging because not voyaging is essential to voyaging. Yeah. To end the interview. <laughs> Is there anything that you guys would like to add or speak on that you think I might have missed or that you just want to say? Get out there and voyage. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen told us that. Yep, get out there and voyage. Voyage never ends. Sure, sure. Thank you guys for taking the time to chat with me. It was great to learn more about you and a little bit of your background. Those interested in catching a Sure Sure show in the East Lansing area can catch them at St. Andrew's Hall in Detroit on March 26th, 2020. Sick. Great. Thank you. Thanks. Again, that was Taylor Halterman with Kevin and Charlie, two members of the group Sure Sure. If you're just tuning in, welcome. You're listening to The Undercurrent on WDBM East Lansing. For the second part of our show, we're turning to a throwback. Keeping in theme with artist interviews, I want to take another look at a piece done by a former Undercurrent reporter, Sana Hakeem. In 2016, she interviewed local Michigan artist John Warm from the group Rent Strike. These days, Sana is still at the Impact as our operations director. And as for John, according to Facebook updates, he's taking a bit of a break from the band right now and has moved to Pittsburgh with his partner, and they've adopted a dog. Here's that story from 2016. We got terraformed hills and the plastic trees, machines to replace the honeybees. We got oil rigs sticking up out of the sea, working towards the next catastrophe. We got That's part of a song called Farce of July by the band Rent Strike. Everything about what you just heard screams angst, right? That's why when I sat down with the band singer and banjo player, John Warm, I expected something quite different than what I got. It's kind of a stupid story. I was like living in my mom's basement and not paying rent. And I was like, yeah, I'm on Rent Strike. I'm just going to call my band Rent Strike. 
I'll admit I was relieved to learn that no landlords were harmed in the making of this band, but I was still unsettled by the lyrics. I, I try and write things with like sort of a conscious, uh, you know, you know, paying attention to paying attention to issues. I'm I'm really big into like environmentalism. That's a that's a recurring theme in a lot of my music and like kind of the the dangers of capitalism and uh, how it's killing the earth and subjugating a bunch of people and uh, is pretty, pretty terrible. It was interesting to hear John speak on what he is passionate about this way in a one-on-one setting without all the twang. It seemed that his anger was accompanied by inspiration and pride. I've seen a huge outpouring of support for like, you know, the Standing Rock Reservation in South Dakota, the struggles that they've been going through to prevent getting this tar sands pipeline built through their land. Um, again, you know, I, I care. I, I don't like placing more importance on like certain issues over other ones, but like I personally feel a really strong connection to, you know, the environment and to groups like that that are just on the front lines of this war against these capitalists who are literally trying to destroy and suck everything out of our earth and it's really cool to see that there are people who just like say no and don't give up even when people are turning attack dogs and pepper spray on them and it's it's just really inspiring and cool and it's it's cool to see my friends and allies like supporting them in whatever capacity that they can. You know, it's it's really cool. And the range of issues that John holds close to his heart extends much farther than environmentalism. A lot of my songs are like about myself and like kind of like mental health struggles that I've been through. And honestly, just the thought of like someone listening to it and like finding something they can relate to in that is like huge to me because. I wouldn't have made it through my teenage years without the music that I listened to and knowing someone else out there like commiserated with me and like felt what I was feeling and was doing okay. That's that's big to me. The more I learned about John, the more human he became to me. He talked about his passions and personal struggles. I thought that he was showing courage by being vulnerable and speaking so openly in that room. But then I remembered that this was no different than what he was doing in his music. The style of music that I play, uh, it's it's very based around like wearing your thoughts and your emotions on your sleeve and really being upfront and blunt and not really caring who it offends because, you know, you're speaking from the heart. I think another notable difference between this genre of music and others can be found in the subjectivity around the word success. For many bands, being played on the radio is a pivotal step in the right direction. But John knew that bands like his don't get much radio play. So I asked what he thought of that. I don't think it could survive any other way. Honestly, like I don't think at least the style of music that I play, like I don't I don't feel like it needs to be big. It's still very much a fringe thing and I kind of relish that cuz it also like breeds this really tight-knit community where people like look out for each other and at least the impression that I get from other scenes maybe it's not the same way but I've I've really appreciated going around and you know some of the best shows I've played have been to 10 people in a basement this isn't to say that John isn't always open to new fans well I always like to see at least a couple of like kids just getting rowdy and dancing in the crowd but I mean, I, I'll make music for anyone, you know, I'll, I'd make music ultimately for 
myself, it's like a, a therapy type thing, but you know, I'm pleasantly surprised whenever I see people like really into my music. It's cool. It's cool. But for John, it seems that the best part of making music will always be just that, making the music. It's just how I feel. It's how I feel, and, you know, music is really the way that I know how to express myself. And all the rights they take away, and all the ways they subjugate. For Impact Student Radio, I'm Sana Hakim. That was Sana Hakim in 2016 interviewing John Warm of Rent Strike. And that's it for our show. Thank you so much to our station manager, Olivia Mitchell, our general manager, Jeremy Whiting, and our programming director, Amber Knutsky. And of course, thank you to you, our listeners. Do me a favor this week and take a second to yourselves and listen to your favorite artist, one that you know the name of the band and you're not going to have to Google. It's about to get busy with finals for all of us college students and not to mention the holidays are right around the corner. So take a sec for yourselves and listen to something you really like and enjoy and do it without any interruptions. Okay, that's all I've got for now. I've been your host, Sophie Sagan, and you've been listening to The Undercurrent on WDBM East Lansing. See you next week.